I'll just share a couple words with you to get started this morning. Exhausting. Lost. Chaotic. Relentless. Surreal. Limbo. Heartbreaking. It's just a small sample size of words that were given by real people when asked to describe 2020 in one word. And I have a feeling that many of us in this room today would probably agree with some of those words. I'm sure over the past uh, 12 months or so of your life, at some point, you have felt very exhausted or at least exhausted about the things that are going on all around you. Many times we've probably felt lost. We felt like we were just in a relentless barrage of stuff, right? Anybody feel like the world was chaotic? But I think the one that stuck out to me most was heartbreaking out of all these words. Because 2020 was a year that brought us a lot of new things and not necessarily all of them good. Like new words. Who in the world would have ever imagined us using the term social distancing? How crazy. For a person like myself who's uh, super outgoing and loves being around people, that phrase really kind of gets under my skin a little bit. How about new fashions? How many of you now have a mask that matches at least one outfit uh, that you have, right? Who knew that so many patterns could be made into face coverings? In fact, we've kind of run the gamut. At first, they were just any kind of floral patterns that we could uh, buy at the store and make and put together. And then we went to uh, clear face masks so that we could still see each other's faces, which didn't change the breath situation, but you could at least still see their smile. And now we've kind of gone full circle uh, to get now where you could get your actual face printed on the front of, of a mask. Some of you may or may not have already done that. So, It also brought new challenges. Uh, speaking as a guy who's worked in the church for over a decade, it certainly brought some new challenges for, for the local church. A show of hands, who, is now, who can now say that they've completed at least one Sunday school class on Zoom? Almost everybody in the room. It also created some new memories. Some of those memories, good. For some, this last year was marked by monumental events. People still got married this year. And babies were still born, and there were many, many things to still be celebrated. But for others, 2020 created memories that maybe they wish that they would have never have experienced. For some, they've lost loved ones. For others, they spent uh, an unbelievable amount of time feeling ill or possibly in the hospital. There's probably uh, not a single person in this room that wasn't touched in some way by 2020. But I also want to remind us this morning that 2020 also brought some good things. I don't know about you, but one of the things that it did for me and my household was it gave us more time with our kids. 
Not only in quantity, but quality. Because it reminded us of the things that mattered. We also increased our joy for the simple things. I cannot remember a time in my life when so many people were out in our neighborhood on bicycles or jogging or doing something just outdoors. It was just an opportunity for us to return to the joy of the simple things. Put the Netflix away and go outside. That'll be really good for a a generation of young people to know what that's like again. Not Xbox, but riding your bike. What What an incredible thing. It also gave us an appreciation for often overlooked blessings. And the one that comes to my mind is... Being together like this, right here this morning. Man, something that God wrecked me with this last year was how much I had taken for granted the gathering of the body of Christ. And when all of a sudden that was ripped out of our lives and we could no longer sit here together face to face, it was a powerful, powerful reminder that we should be appreciative of all the good things that God gives us. Even the things that we often overlook. And I believe that with all my heart that maybe the greatest lesson that I learned this past year is that God is serious about growing his church. And God is serious about bringing the lost to himself. It's another good reminder that we need to, we need to think about with all the craziness that happened in 2020. God continued to move in unbelievable ways powerful ways. People came to saving faith in Jesus Christ last year, and their lives will be forever changed. God is still moving, and he's in the work of moving, and he's looking forward to moving this year as well. And the good news is this, that the mission, the single mission that God has given us, we know to be the Great Commission, right, which says to go and make disciples. God's plan has not changed. And my favorite thing about God's plan is it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hinge on our circumstances. It doesn't matter if we can come together and gather. It doesn't matter if we have to do something on Zoom for a couple of months. None of those things change God's mission because God's mission is simply to make disciples. And so I think for us this morning, these are good and powerful reminders. First of all, to address that, yes, last year was difficult. But God wants to do so much in all of our lives, in the lives of this church in the year to come. So this morning, what I wanted to challenge you with as I, as I prayed through what do we bring for a vision message, what do we bring for a challenge message, God kept bringing me back to this thought that 2021 is not the year to take off. It's not the year to keep looking in the rearview mirror about all the things that we missed out on last year. But 2021 is, in fact, the year that we should forge ahead, that we should look for opportunities for the gospel. And I promise you this, God is wanting to do something. And he's giving us the opportunity to participate in what he's already going to do. So if you would this morning, please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. 
Mark chapter 6. We're going to look at a passage that may be familiar to some of you in the room. Maybe for some of you, you don't have a lot of experience with the Bible, and so this will be new to you. But it's an incredibly powerful passage of Scripture. It's one of the, one of the few um, passages in Scripture that's recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to focus our attention this morning on the story from Mark because I love the details that Mark gives us here. But if you're curious, you can always go back on your own and, and reread them in all of the other Gospels. It's a fun thing to do because you realize that they don't contradict one another. But in fact, they, they build a more full picture when you go and read all of these. But for this morning's purposes, we'll be in Mark Chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 30 through 44, and we'll break this passage down this morning. So join me in reading verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. It says, The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by ourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. Verse 33. When the people saw them going and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities. And they got there ahead of them. And when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it's already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give, it, give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and look. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. When they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of broken pieces and also of fish. There were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. Join me in praying this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you'll be with us this morning. God, I pray that you will, God, speak through me. Give me the words that you want to be said this morning. God, I pray that you would challenge us. God, I pray that you would motivate us. I pray that you would encourage us, God. God, ultimately, I pray that whatever you ask us to do this morning, we will respond in obedience. God, that we will give you our yes right now. God, our lives is a blank check. Lord, we want to be a part of what you're going to do. Teach us, guide us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I want to share with you three commitments that all of us in this room need to have if we're going to 
uh, see all that God is going to accomplish this year in 2021, individually and corporately as a body together. And so the first, the first commitment that I want us to look at this morning is this, a commitment to being spiritually filled, a commitment to being spiritually filled. The reason why it matters that we are spiritually filled is so that we are ready when God provides us with opportunities. If we're spiritually filled, then we'll be ready to respond in a way that honors Christ. We'll be able to respond in the way that God would desire us to respond in. I want to think for a second in, in context here. Um, it says that the disciples gathered with Jesus in verse 30, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. So it's important for us to understand what's going on here in context, that the disciples are returning to Jesus and telling them all that they had done because pri previous to this, Jesus has gathered the disciples together. And if you remember, he sends them out in groups of two. So two guys go, and then he instructs them, I don't want you to take anything with you. Don't take any money, don't take any food, don't take anything. I want you to go out, and I'm giving you th authority and power to do things in my name. And so they go out, and they begin to pour themselves out on be behalf of other people in ministry, serving people, doing all of these things. And in the meantime, they receive word that John the Baptist has been executed. He's been beheaded. And so if you can imagine where the disciples are at right now, they're returning from a trip where they have been doing unbelievable ministry. And they've been sacrificing their, their selves spiritually, physically, emotionally. And they walk into a situation where now they're receiving word that something terrible has happened to somebody that they care a great deal about. And so what Jesus tells them is, because all this is going on, I know that, that we've had some difficulties in our past, so what we need to do then is we need to go away and we need to spend some time alone. Let's go to a secluded place by ourselves. And I can only imagine if you're in the disciple situation that you're like, man, that sounds good. Anybody ever been in that place before where you are just physically, emotionally, spiritually just wrung out. You are at the end of yourself. And for so many of us, uh, our default uh, mode is usually self-care, right? Self-care. Uh, when you get tired like that, what, what's one of the first things that you think? What, what's a common phrase that people say? I need a break or I need a vacation or nap. Yeah, several good. You guys thought of more things than I, than I did. I'm thinking in my mind, though, one of the things that I go to is I'm always like, you know what, I, I just, we just need to get away, right? Like, we, we just need to go off and be by, we need a vacation, right? Which is always kind of tricky and kind of funny because the thing that you think that you want the most usually never turns out the way that you intend it for. A show of hands real fast, how many of you have gone on a vacation to rest and return more exhausted and tired than when you left, right? So not too long ago, actually just a couple weeks ago, we decided, you know what? Everybody's been telling us about uh, the lights at Branson. You gotta go see the lights down in, in, in Branson at uh, Silver Dollar City. Is that the name of Silver Dollar City? So we're like, okay, we'll go to, we need a break, right? We need a break. 2020's been kind of crazy. We've been getting lots of ministry opportunities. It would be a really fun and cool thing for our family just to take a break. We'll go down, we'll see the lights, we'll rest, 
we'll catch up on uh, all that sleep that we haven't been getting right. And so I think the part that we miscalculated was we forgot that we were still taking the five reasons why we don't get sleep with us on the trip. And so if, if, you're, if you're a grandparent or parent or anybody in the room that's ever tried to go on the family vacation, I don't know that it has actually very beneficial for rest. So we go down, we look at the lights. Nobody warned us that uh, apparently I'm, I'm mostly from Kansas and things are pretty flat around here, right? Uh, w- apparently at Silver Dollar City, everything is built like this. And so we're going up this hill and then down the other side and we're just... We're all over the place. We're physically worn out. We're, we're tired. We're exhausted. We're like, at least we'll get a good night's rest in the hotel tonight. We even got on there. We ordered one of those rooms. When you've got a large family like ours, you've got to have the, the, the hotel room that's like really like two hotel rooms and a living room in the middle. And that's what we think we've ordered. It says two, two rooms and um, space in between. And we're like, at least we got that. Coming tonight. We'll, we'll be rested tonight. We get to the hotel room. We put our little key in. We open up the door. And the living room is about as big as this part of the stage right here. There are two rooms, but we're, we're like, okay, well, we kind of needed that living room space for Lincoln in the pack and play. But you know what? She's so tired. It'll be fine. So we just put her in the room with us. And she cried all night long. The good news was is that we got to wake up and drive four hours back to Kansas City right after that. So we, we returned home just, you know, really rejuvenated uh, in, in all that. And so in my mind, as we, as we think about this, like so many times we default to self-care. When we're emotionally spent, when we are physically um, exhausted, when we're even spiritually run down, we oftentimes think that what we need the most is self-care. We need that nap, or we need that vacation, or we need that time just to get away from it all. But what we really need most in those moments is soul care. Not so much self-care, but soul care. And in the, in the life of these disciples, what they're about to experience is not what they thought they were going to get. Remember, they've been out doing ministry. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're, they're emotionally kind of all over the place. They're, they're excited. They're, they're telling Jesus all the things they've said and done. If you've ever been on a mission trip before, you probably know what I'm talking about. You come home on a spiritual high, but somehow you're still like just just worn out from the, the whole thing, right? And so Jesus says, okay, let's go away to be by ourselves. And so they get on a boat and they begin the journey across the lake here and to get to the other side to go to a secluded place. And what does scripture tell us they get? Do they get a restful retreat? No. In fact, what they get is 5,000 men and scripture tells us and women and children. So this crowd of people could be uh, north of 10,000 people. I don't know about you, but when I'm tired and exhausted, I'm worn out, one of the last things I want to see is a group of 10,000 people who all want us to do something for them. And what scripture tells us is when they get off the boat, Jesus uses this as a teaching moment for them. Jesus gets off and, and he doesn't worry about getting away to that secluded place. What does he do? The Bible tells us that Jesus' heart 
breaks for the people. He's filled with compassion and he begins to talk with them and teach them and heal them and do all of these things for them. He begins to pour himself out on their behalf. And he's given the disciples a teachable moment here. He's, he's trying to demonstrate for them that sometimes you don't get the self-care that you're seeking, but you still can benefit from the soul care that God can provide. Because see, the, the disciples, they don't get the restful retreat that they're expecting, but what they do get is the boat ride over. They get the boat ride over with Christ himself. And sometimes as believers, that's all we get. And that's why it's important that we understand that we have to make a commitment to being spiritually filled. If we are spiritually filled, then we will be ready for all of the opportunities that God gives us and presents to us. And let me just tell you, as believers, as believers, we are called to die to self. My life verse is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But it's all about dying to self. It's all about being ready to pour ourselves out on behalf of other people. And that happens when we are spiritually filled. We can't pour out of empty, church family. If you've got nothing in the tank, then there's nothing to give to other people. So it's important that we make a commitment to be spiritually filled so that we're ready for the opportunities that God gives us. And it also has an impact on our response in those moments, right? I, th I thought about this. When we are spirit-filled, you respond to opportunities like this the way that Jesus does, with compassion. And by the way, Jesus saw it as an opportunity, not something that was getting in the way of what he wanted to do. When we're not spirit-filled, we, we look at situations like that not as opportunities, but instead hurdles that are in front of us that are getting in the way of whatever it is that we want to do. I just wanted to take a nap. I don't want to mess with all this. I, I just, God, I just want to go on a vacation. I don't have time for, for all of this stuff. But when we're spirit-filled, we respond to opportunities that God gives us in a way that honors him. We're ready for it. So if we're to be spiritually filled, then how do we do that? What do we need to do to make sure that we are spiritually filled? Let me go through a couple things real fast. I thought of Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2 verse 42, it says the early church, this is what they had going on. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together daily. So what was it that they were doing to be spiritually filled and ready for these opportunities? Very simply, those three things. The first one was they were putting themselves under the authority of God's word. They devoted themselves to the teaching of God's word. If you're going to be spiritually filled, you have to be engaged with God's word on a daily basis. I'm at a place in my life right now where if, if I miss being in God's word one day, I begin to feel it. And if you miss being in God's word for more than that, then you really begin to feel it. We've got to make a commitment 
It's a brand new year. What have you done? What have you done in your life to set goals for being in God's word this year? What reading plan are you going to use? It's good for us to, to, to know these things, to be ready for these things. And God wants us to be in his word. If you say that you don't have enough time, I don't want to be so harsh to say that that's probably not true. But think about how you can be engaged in God's word even in the busyness of your life. For some of you men, you may dr drive around all day. You leave the house early, early in the morning for work. And you don't come home until later in the evening. And maybe you do a lot of driving in between. Let me challenge you with something. You can listen to God's word on Spotify. So it doesn't really matter how you're engaged with God's word as much as that you are engaged with it. That you're interacting with it, that it's, that it's having an impact on your life. It helps you to be spiritually filled and ready for opportunities. Fellowship with other believers. Like I said, in 2020, it was one of the things that I noticed first. I need brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to be around you. We need to rub shoulders together. I need your accountability. I need your encouragement. You need that encouragement and that accountability as well. And the third thing was prayer. And what if we just, what if we just committed this year to going to God first about everything? God, that we would be committed to prayer I need to move on here. So number, the first thing was, was a commitment to being spiritually filled. The second is a commitment to participate in the mission. A commitment to participate in the mission of God. I love this about the story. In verse 35, it says, when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and it's already quite late. Send them away so they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Jesus invites them to participate in the mission. He gives them an opportunity to see all that he can do. And if I'm putting myself in the disciples' shoes, I'm thinking, wait a second, what... What do you mean give them something to eat? We don't have anything to eat. Like, like that was actually your idea, remember? Like you told us don't bring food and don't bring any money. Like what, what do you want us to, to give them? And Jesus is simply reminding them in this situation that I don't actually need you to feed the 5,000, but what I need you to do is just be willing to participate. So what does Jesus say to them? He said, how many loaves do you have? Go and look. I love that about this. Jesus is like, listen, I don't need your money. I don't need yourself. Honestly, I don't even need you in this situation, but I want you to participate. You just tell me what you have, and I'll work with that. Go find out how many loaves and fish you can find and come back and tell me, and that's what I'll use to feed all these people. And you know the disciples are like, what in the world? There's 10,000 people out here. In fact, they say, they say 200 denarii wouldn't feed all these people. Denarii was a, a day's wage. So they're basically saying, listen, if we had 200 days wages, we, couldn't, we wouldn't have enough money to, to be able to feed all these people. And we're poor. Most of us are fishermen. We've got some, some sketchy backgrounds, right? 
we don't have a lot to offer here. And Jesus is like, listen, I don't need you to offer a lot. I have that covered. I just need to know what you do have. Aaron and I were talking about this this week. It reminds me of, of uh, if, if you've ever like cooked something with a little kid. Maybe you've baked something together. Our, our little Blakely, she loves to bake. At least she thinks that she's baking. But she comes up to me a couple weeks ago, and as soon as I come in the door, she's immediately like, Dad, 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 I baked muffins. And I, for a second, I thought she may have done this alone. <laughs> Blakely, maybe. I was hoping that her mom had helped. But she was so excited to tell me that she had, she, she had baked muffins, Right? And you all know how this goes. You've done this at home. You know that she didn't bake muffins. It was mom who went to the store. It was mom who used the money, got the money to, to buy the things at the store. Mom was the one, hopefully, that turned the oven on and off. And, and you know how there's, there's all of these steps in this. But in her mind, she baked muffins. And why did she think that? Because she was allowed to participate in the process. Now, her, her part in it might have been this big, very small, but not insignificant. Not insignificant. Because, you see, what she got to do was she got to mix all the ingredients together, right? But in her mind, she had a big part in this. And she was excited to tell me about it because her mom allowed her to participate in this with her. My parents are actually here this morning. It also made me think on the guy's perspective. I'd run in the house and I can't remember how many times I'd tell mom, yeah, me and dad, we made something. Or we fixed something. Yeah, I fixed the truck. Yeah. I held the flashlight, okay? And every young man, at some point in your life, that's your role, right? You are the flashlight holder. I was so useless at that point, he couldn't even tell me what kind of tools he needed for me to go and fetch. It was just just flashlight. That was it. And I didn't even hold that where I was supposed to most of the time. But that was my role. And again, while it was this big, it was not insignificant. Don't confuse those two things. God is inviting you in to be a part of something. And your role may be this big in it, but it's not insignificant. You see, Jesus was trying to help these disciples learn that I don't need you to feed 5,000 people. I need you just to be obedient and willing. Go find what we have and I'll use that. It's a powerful challenge, I think, for those of us here in the church that we would make this commitment to participate in the mission. So what does it mean for us? Listen, I just want to say that uh, God, again, doesn't need us to be overwhelmed by the bigness of the task. He just needs us to be obedient and faithful with where we're at, right? So the feeding of the 5,000 people, big, overwhelming to the disciples, it reminds me a lot of the Great Commission. When, when we think about the weightiness of the Great Commission, right? God says, go and make disciples. We all have the tendency to look at the whole and become overwhelmed. Some of us even overwhelmed to the point to where we never actually do anything. Because we think, what's the use? 
God, I can't, I can't witness to the entire world. I can't serve the entire world. And, and the reminder to us as a church is Jesus isn't asking us to do that. Jesus doesn't need you to witness to the whole world, but I'll tell you who Jesus needs you to witness to, your neighbor. Because there's a personal and a corporate component to this. Jesus has placed you in a very specific and unique context that he has not placed me. You work with people that I don't work with. You live on the same street as people that I don't live on their street. You go to school, students and, and young people in here, you go to school with kids that no one else in this room goes to school with. And what God needs you to see is I don't need you to take on the whole thing. I just need you to be faithful in the little thing that I'm asking you to do. I'm inviting you in to participate in the mission. So you don't have to share Jesus with literally everyone, but you better at least share it with your next door neighbor or the kid that sits next to you in your math class or the guy that you work in the cubicle next to because that's where God has put you and he's inviting you in to participate. There's also a corporate component to this. The church, are you serving? Do you have a place of service right now? Or are you, are you just coming here each week going, what, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Listen, that's between you and God. I'm not gonna tell you specifically what you need to be doing, but I promise you that we've got a spot for you. We've got a spot for you. Listen, uh, Jeanette, right over here, fantastic job down in our preschool area. I'm almost willing to bet you that if you approached Jeanette and said, listen, I don't even know or understand all this stuff, but I just want to be faithful and obedient, you got a spot for me. I promise you she could find one. David Holloway and Kurt Smith doing the job that they're doing downstairs with our, with our kids. They're not gonna turn you away. We need maximum participation here. We need everybody to participate in the mission. Matt and Katrina Shirley been holding down student ministry here for months. So grateful for them. But God's got some other people in this room that need to, to raise their hand and say, listen, I don't even know if I understand all this, but I'm at least willing to learn. I just want to be faithful. I just want to be a part of what God's doing. The third commitment is a commitment to trust in God's ability. A commitment to trust in God's ability. I was thinking about this this week, really even having to challenge my own self and my own heart. Do I actually believe that God can do unbelievable things, things that we can't explain, things that only he can get credit for. It reminds me of this at the end of this story. No accident that Jesus sends all 12 disciples out, and how many baskets do they bring back? 12. Every single disciple with a basket full of leftovers 
And you know, if you can picture in your mind what's going on here, you know that at some point they're all getting closer and closer to Jesus and they're all bringing their basket back. And at some point they don't even know what to say, but they're just kind of looking at each other like, what is happening here? What, what, what just happened? What did we just experience? I don't think that I can even begin to explain what we just saw, but I know that it was amazing to be a part of. And God is teaching them, trust in my ability. Remember, I don't need you to feed the 5,000. Just give me your fish and give me your loaves and I'll work with that. And these guys are laying their baskets at the feet of Jesus. I imagine very overwhelmed with everything that they've just experienced. And I promise you, in that moment, in that moment right there, they weren't concerned about not getting the rest that they thought that they were promised. They wouldn't have given up this moment for anything in the world. So that's my challenge to us as we begin 2021 as a church family. And I want to use that word a lot because we are a family. God has put us together for great things. But if we would make a commitment together to be spiritually filled so that we're ready for every opportunity that God gives us. And if we would make a commitment to participate in his mission and actually jump in and start doing something and, and not be on the sidelines. And if we would make a commitment to trust in God's ability, God will not disappoint. We're not going to get to the end of this thing and look back and regret any of it. Just like the disciples, we're going to say, listen, we might not be able to explain what God did. And I hope that we can't. We may not be able to explain it, but man, I'm sure glad I was a part of it. So that's our challenge for this year as, as we get going in 2021. This is not a year to take off. This is a year to jump in and watch God do unbelievable things, things beyond what we could ever think, ask, or imagine. So where are you at this morning? There's a couple places that, that you might be at. A couple of areas that I want to I challenge us a little bit more on. Let me say that you can't be spiritually filled and you can't participate in God's mission before you're a part of God's family. So for some of you in the room this morning, maybe what you need to do today is to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That you would come and talk to us, that you would be willing to repent of your sins and follow Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, that the, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And you'll be a part of the family of God. That's the starting place. For some of you, maybe it's church membership. It's a big deal. The reason why church membership is important is because it's your way of, of saying, listen, I'm making a commitment to this local family right here. I want to lock arms with this group of people to do ministry and missions with. So maybe you've been around for a while. 
Maybe today is the day that you need to come and talk to either Pastor Travis or myself about what it means to be a member, member of Fellowship Olathe. For some of you, maybe it's a small group. Maybe you've been coming to this part of our worship service, but you've yet to connect with people. Remember, one of the key components to being spiritually filled is God's word and prayer, but also fellowship with other believers. We need each other. And the place that that's going to happen best is through our Sunday school groups, through our small groups. You need to be a part of one. For others, it's just simply serving in the church. Like I said, I don't know where you should be. But I know that God wants you to participate. That's what I know for sure. And the other thing I know for sure is that you will never regret it. Church, I hope that you want to be a part of something. I hope that this time next year in 2022, we're in a similar situation to these disciples when we go, listen, I don't, I don't know if we can explain what God did here, but man, I'm sure glad I was a part of it. You want to do that? As a follower of Christ, I want to be a part of something that I can't explain and I can't take credit for. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you not only desire relationship with us, God, not only have you provided a way for us to be brought back to you, God, a way for us to be, receive forgiveness of our sins, but God, you have invited us to participate in your mission. And while our role might be small, it's not insignificant. So I pray that you would challenge each and every person in this room, God, right where we're at, I know every person's in a different situation in a different place, God. You know exactly what that is. So, Lord, I pray that you would be very specific, God. Where I've been general, I pray that you'll be specific. And, God, I pray that whatever you are asking us to do, God, we will give you our yes. That we'll respond in obedience to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.